Harry versus Rory in Games on Phil. quite liked doing that actually made me feel all special and important i ceded the title of the podcast to you this time i know what's going on we were trying to space these movies out a bit but it was the 25th anniversary of street fighter this year um i think it was released a little bit it's not exactly 25 years yet is it but... no it was a it was a december release originally, <laughs> right. like well, christmas time christmas yeah. with the family watch a bit of street fighter at the cinema i mean i did that every christmas <laughs> but yes we um just so happened to catch a screening of this film at the prince charles cinema in honor of the film's 25th anniversary and we thought well let's do street fighter let's tackle one of the big uh, Mac Daddies of the video game movie Pantheon. I think because Street Fighter as a property, at least when it first came out, at least the original Street Fighter game, didn't make much of an impact. But come the sequel, Street Fighter 2 The World Warrior, it became a massive, massive franchise. And it's still going with many, many iterations <laughs> since uh, today. And as I mentioned in our very, very first episode, episode zero, I wrote my university dissertation on video game movies, and one whole chapter is devoted to this film. In the time since we did that first episode, I found my dissertation. I might dip into that a couple of times, but I would I would recommend reading the whole whole thing on our website. You'd recommend that because it's yours or Oh yeah. It's like it's like, you know, it's well, it's second only to a brief history of time, I think, actually, and it's an in-depth analysis of what we deem to be real. In terms of importance to academia. Oh, of course. But I, um, I have to admit, I did surprise myself as I've not read that dissertation in about 15, 16 years. I cannot believe I wrote something so academic. <laughs> and we learned stuff about this film at the Prince Charles Cinema screening. And with this extra knowledge, I realised I got... Maybe some of my analysis completely, totally wrong, <laughs> but you, you live and learn. And, you know, I do like film theory. I do like studying film theory. But at the same time, you can apply film theory to almost anything and claim that it was intentional. I do not think that Street Fighter necessarily is a movie that you need to read a lot into. But I guess there are certain it's, it's clear there are certain influences to the film beyond the games themselves. The early 90s were an interesting time, and I feel like this film captures something of that um, quite successfully. It's a nice little time capsule as to what movies could be in that time and probably can't be anymore. But because this film was set so in 94, this film set in 94, it was made in 94, I feel the 80s hadn't completely left it. I mean, the director himself, is it Stephen D'Souza? Yes. He d wrote uh, Die Hard, uh, Commando. Mm -hmm. Both of those films are 
80s classics yes. and, and I feel he's bringing a lot of his, his sensibilities to this. The thing that we learned at the Prince Charles screening, it was um, introduced by uh, the author Luke Owen who's written a book about video game movies called uh, Lights, Camera, Game Over and I'm sure he's going to be a guest on the show in the near future. But he learned in his research for his book that the reason the Street Fighter movie is pretty much exists was to help advertise Hasbro Toys' recent uh, Street Fighter toy line. I'm only skimming the surface of this, but once when you learn that this was not really ever meant to be a martial arts movie, this was supposed to be a sort of G.I. Joe-style movie, everything clicks into place. Yeah. It's a surprising it has as much martial arts in it as it does. But then G.I. Joe had snake eyes, I suppose. Yeah, because uh, D'Souza has spoken a little bit about the development of the film and the script. And basically, there were representatives from Capcom in Hollywood at the time who were trying to get a Street Fighter movie off the ground. And when he was aware of this, he basically did a draft script overnight Mm -hmm. and managed to present it to Capcom. And it turns out that his idea for the movie making it almost like a James Bond film with a boss with an underground secret lair and Mm -hmm. uh, was very much what Capcom were almost thinking about at the same time as well. So there was a lot of synergy uh, there. What were they thinking, though? (laughs) But I don't know if that's the thing. It's it's people talk about this film in negative terms and as an adaptation, but it does seem like Capcom, who were financing this movie a lot, they put a lot of money into it, they were doing what... Capcom wanted from the film. It's it's. This is very virgin territory, wasn't it? I think it was just the Mario movie, and then Double Dragon, and then this was the next one. So you do have to ask yourself, how do you make something from whole cloth? I suppose yeah. in this dissertation I was talking about, I talk. About, I'm referencing myself here. God, I'll stop doing that in a minute. But um, citation needed. Citation needed. I do talk about how uh, video games are themselves recreations or, or remediations of martial arts movies. So when you're playing a fighting game like Mortal Kombat Street Fighter, you are subconsciously re-starring in your own martial arts movie. So I can completely understand when people saw this film that there was some sort of massive... Your cognitive dissonance. Even till quite recently, I still thought of the Street Fighter movie and didn't really just understand it. I I grew to enjoy it, but I still didn't understand what was going on. But at this this screening, I really enjoyed myself. Knowing the intention behind it and the film they were trying to deliver, I think it sort of succeeds in that sense mm. you got to let go of street fighter to appreciate yes. this film i think and yet it still has to have fan service and it still has mm. to shoehorn characters in and it it seemed like in the script every time that D'Souza was turning in the script capcom would go oh this is great but can you make this character one of the game's characters mm. and they just keep on changing various characters to make them characters from the game regardless of whether it made sense at all. So probably if you don't know anything about the games, you probably have a more enjoyable time rather than seeing these characters show up and think, what's what What are they doing there? Well, I don't know. I still light up a bit when I see any of these characters. I find 
you know, if Dalsim wasn't a doctor in this, there would be just some generic scientist creating Blanca, and you'd be, oh, I wish that Indian doctor was called Dalsim. <laughs> I like the. I like to think that maybe there's an alternate version of this movie with the exact same actors mm-hmm. playing the same named characters, but doing different roles. They sort of swap around. It's like American Horror Story or whatever, where they use the same cast each season, right. but they're all doing different. Ooh. They're all different characters, Who'd and I they... like to think Street Fighter would be. Oh well, maybe Ming Na Wen is Chun Li in this as a reporter, but maybe mm-hmm. she's in another version of the film. Chun Li, she's the special forces operative, or in another version of it, Chun Li is instead, I don't know, one of the bad guys. Why not? I thought you meant the actors would be playing different characters, so Ming Na Wen would be playing uh, all-American hero Colonel Guile. But, you know, to be honest, Colonel Guile in this has a thick Brussels accent. I wasn't suggesting Cloud Atlas. That would be good. (laughs) I started watching that the other day. um, Still watching it. I'm still watching it now. It's in the background. So, Street Fighter then. As I say, we're not going to talk too much about our experience of the games right now, but they were still the biggest thing pretty much i mean it was really mario and street fighter for a little bit and sonic i suppose we got a super we didn't get a super nintendo till too late so we never had street fighter 2 growing up i do remember sneaking into not sneaking i went into a curry's pretending to buy a snes and wanted a demo and ended up playing <laughs> playing street fighter acting like i was gonna buy it and then i told them i'll think about it and i left I remember playing it at friends' houses and I remember just being told to mash the Y button because mm-hmm. if you do that, that's how you get Blanchard to do its, his electricity move. And mm. if you, I think that's the same button to do uh, E Honda's 100 hand slap or Chun Li's 100 foot kick. 100 foot kick. 100 hand kick. I think probably um, most exposure to Street Fighter 2 because this film states that it is based on Street Fighter 2. It doesn't say based Mm. on the Street Fighter series. It doesn't say it's based on Super Street Fighter 2, even though it has characters from that who weren't in Street Fighter Mm. 2. But it was probably the promotional VHS we got from a copy of Nintendo Magazine System. Gosh, that's taking us back. I think we probably watched that video, which was just... A Let's Play video. An early 90s version of a Let's Play video, Mm -hmm. which was just footage of Street Fighter 2 with journalists talking over the footage and explaining the different characters and movesets. And we were probably doing air controllers, wishing we had a Super Nintendo, (laughs) but our horrific and terrible parents had only stooped to give us a normal Nintendo, an NES. And a Game Boy. And a Game Boy. I guess the only other exposure to Street Fighter we had at the time was you had a Street Fighter 2 sticker album. And I had a Super Street Fighter 2 sticker album. Yeah, not necessarily better. And that's just just, just different. Just just the just super. more characters, more stickers. Did you ever complete it? No, no, <laughs> nor did I. But um, it was probably the only way I found out about Fei Long. Not in this movie. Not, not in this movie. <laughs> so yeah, still though, being video games fans, we were of course excited that they were making a video game movie. Long story short, I remember renting, getting this on rental. And I remember watching it, and I remember thinking, this isn't anything like Street Fighter. There's no fighting in it. I think the first time where it feels really like the Street Fighter games is when Vega is about to fight Ryu. There's a cage match afoot, 
and um, you're getting there, you're getting ready, and they're just about to fight, and then Guile smashes into the whole place with a tank and rockets. Probably did kill a whole bunch of people, but they stopped the fight. It does seem like the film doesn't want to show you any fighting for the longest time. It keeps mm. withholding fights and interrupting fights specifically for that purpose. When you hear about the production of the film, you realise that because of scheduling and certain issues, which I guess we'll get into, uh, they didn't really have any time to train for any of the fights. They usually, sometimes even hours before they were due to fight, would be the first time they did any fight training. So it seems like they were trying to paper over the cracks. I mean, there was some decent fighting in the Mortal Kombat movie, and there was also some not-so-decent fighting. And I feel nowadays you can't really release a martial arts film with not well, I say this is not really a martial arts film, is it? But you wouldn't release something which purports to be a fighting film and have really subpar fighting. Well, you wouldn't put the name fighter. You wouldn't. <laughs> no, you wouldn't have the word fighter in the title if it wasn't for the fact that this. I mean, yes, you wouldn't call this film Street Fighter based on the movie that we saw. I'm just trying to think of as a more misle- misleading film title. Imagine if they released the film Seven, but only six sins were recognised. You'd be ronked off. You'd be like, I want my lust. I want my greed. I want my pride. So no room for pride. Or if it was Snow White and the Seven Dwarves and only five showed up. (laughs) What's happened to the five? (laughs) Something terrible, Snow. We're not going to talk about it. We haven't changed the sign on our little house yet. But yeah, no street fighting to speak of. But like we said earlier, it's not really that kind of a film. Anyway, the DVD box. Spoilers for Street Fighter. The plot, according to the back of the DVD box. Shadaloo, Southeast Asia, 1995. Oh, so it is set in the future. one year in the future. Wow. As Civil War enters its seventh month, Warlord General M. Bison, Rao Julia, the Adams Family virtually brings about global warfare when he takes 63 Allied Nations relief workers hostage and threatens to execute them unless a ransom of $20 billion is paid. It is the mission of Colonel William F. Guile, Jean-Claude Van Damme, maximum risk, to rescue the hostages, but he has to locate them first. As part of an audacious plan to track down the general and his futuristic fortress, Guile and British intelligence officer Cammy, Kylie Minogue, recruit to their forces two renegade heroes. However, their entire plan is nearly quashed when GNT News correspondent Chun-Li Zhang intervenes, and she wants much more than just a story. Action reaches fever pitch as Guile, Bison, and their forces clash in a fierce battle, and the fate of the free world hangs in the balance. After seven months of fighting, the civil war in Shadaloo may have reached the turning point. The capital has just fallen. In the next three days, the forces of freedom will face a power-mad dictator in a struggle for the fate of the world. Winner takes all. The king of action. Prepare for stealth mode. It is the champion of fun. 
taking in nearly $2 billion in worldwide video game sales. And when MCA Universal Home Video releases the action-packed movie that combines the two together... It's showtime. Watch out. MCA Universal Home Video presents Jean-Claude Van Damme... The perfect genetic soldier! ...in the action-adventure event of the year, Street Fighter. When Bison takes these hostages, he wants a lot of money. And I understand he probably has a lot of money already, because he is a drug lord turned warlord, and he's, fuel, he's, he's fueled his military machine with his drugs money, I suppose. Mm-hmm. I mean, being a drug lord, that's what you do. <laughs> not He's not a haberdasher, though he does sport lots of hats. Very nice. Hats and drugs. Bison's Hats and Drug Shop, Emporium. So he wants his money, and then if he gets his money, he's going to make Bisonopolis. He does his whole speech later about um, what he plans to do. It's, it is quite beautiful, <laughs> as Zangief says. Yes, it's he wants to build a, a city in his image, mm-hmm. effectively. He wants to control the world. He wants to create genetic soldiers for peace on Earth. And basically, so everyone can bow down to him. He's like the benevolent dictator. Mm. And I sort of feel like with this whole idea of allied nations and this madman, I I don't... Like, at the time, I suppose there was lots of UN peacekeeping missions happening. There was the Iraq war had Mm. just sort of... um, It's fresh in the memory. was fresh in the memory, yes. And, And I know the Berlin Wall had fallen but only five years only five earlier or so yeah exactly good old Hasselhoff saving the day yeah he's very much um the result of what was in the news right now I mean the Iraq war is is was very much a media a media war as Mm. well and the media features very heavily in this where there's television all the time there's radio doing awful jokes <laughs> there's the start of the movie is lots of tv screens mm-hmm. and bison's lair is wall-to-wall tv screens yeah and at one point in the film you know there's gps trackers locating mm-hmm. characters in the movie and satellites in yeah. the sky again to put on my sort of pretentious film studies hat um i think one thing i focused on when i was studying this film was how it kind of reminds you that it is a remediation of a video game. It reminds you that it's an adaptation and and all this all these TV screens, all these characters within TV screens. There's a scene when Bison is fighting Guile and the same fight is on the massive TV screen wall. It's it's doing a lot to to remind you that um you know it's, this is a remediated IP product. But it directly as well references its game origins in the Mm. sense that at one point Bison is trying to take down Guile's stealth boat Mm. with mines underwater and he's releasing them using an arcade stick with arcade buttons. Not changing the slightest either. I think he probably wasn't made out of a Street Fighter arcade machine. Yeah, no, most likely. It reminds me of the scene in Superman 3, I think, when they're mm. controlling a joystick and firing missiles exactly. at a digitised Superman. It's almost identical. Yeah. And, of course, Bison utters the phrase, Game over! Mm. Which actually 
if you look What's at... What's an ad-lib? <laughs> <laughs> Not in the script. But if you play Street Fighter, the movie, the game... Say that again. Street Fighter, the movie, the game... Mm-hmm. The arcade version... Yeah. It's like Spaceballs, the, the yeah. toilet paper. Spaceballs, the colouring book. Endless colons. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> like the toilet paper. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you get that clip from the movie when you get game over. So uh, we didn't mention this, but there was a Street Fighter, the movie, video game. Yeah, an arcade version and a PlayStation home, version. Yeah, home console and PlayStation and, and Saturn. Saturn. The home console version was developed and released by Capcom, whereas the arcade version was made instead by American developer Incredible Technologies, but it was also distributed by Capcom in the arcades. But those games, they're different. They're different games, but they include the same digitized versions of the characters. So basically they did a Mortal Kombat Mm -hmm. and they took digital footage of the actual actors from the movie and made them, I guess, pull stances like their video game characters. And I think, crucially, crucially, Cammy in the film, she's wearing her, her combat out gear and everything. And in the game, she looks very much like a video game character. And quite silly as well. It's interesting, as you say, how they turn the characters from the movie who, in many respects, don't look much like their game characters. There's certain points where I only realised certain characters were actually based on game characters because they have to directly say their names and, you know, like T-Hawk. It's like only at the end do you realise, oh, that's meant to be T-Hawk? Well, I mean, I do that all the time, Rory Steele. I know Harry Steele. I think only in the arcade version of the game do you get music from the original Street Fighter 2 game. Mm. as well so in the movie you don't get any of the music from the games but in the street fighter the movie the game arcade edition you get a little bit more referencing of the street fighter 2 games although i think if you want a better live action version of the characters and how they're supposed to look you could always watch that clip from the jackie chan movie city hunter where jackie chan dresses up as e honda and Chun-Li. Was there any licensing at all? Or did he just... Like, I, it, does, is it listed as parody? No, I think it is licensed because there's he's basically fighting some uh, goons in an arcade and they have Street Fighter all over the walls and all he right. is thrust into an arcade machine and it malfunctions mm-hmm. and then suddenly he goes electrified and turns into characters from the games. Now that Disney literally owns anything, how much closer are we to a Marvel vs. Capcom movie? That's after Endgame, the the post-credit sequence, the last thing you see as the dust settles (laughs) on Marvel's Infinity Saga will be a vortex opening, and it's fucking Ryu! (laughs) (laughs) Well, you've got Wreck-It Ralph, Ryu's in it, Bison's in it, Sandy's in it. Isn't it Zangief great? and Bison were in the same movie as all the Disney princesses. Just going back to music, yes, subconsciously, if you're not hearing that Street Fighter music, you may not miss it, but you'll notice it when it comes. If you had, Basically, if you had the Guile theme in this, because it goes with any, anything, it might have felt just that little bit more like Street Fighter. Instead, you have this song, I think for the first 20 minutes of the movie, the music seems to be largely this song which 
has Let's Get Ready to Rumble mm. all the time. And it's not PJ and Duncan. That'd be that'd be a good fighting game, wouldn't it? <laughs> British TV kids show fighting. No, no, I'm, I'm going to roll with this now. Yes, Biker Grove characters. Yes, Strange Hill characters. You would fight in Fun House or the Finders Keepers House uh, or the movie game set. I think that's going to be harder to get the rights to than Marvel vs. Capcom no, plus Disney. You, there'll be Gunge. There'll be <laughs> Go-Karts. There'll be um, really easy questions. I think you should instead have... Instead of fatalities. You should have Melanie and Martina as a kind of ice climbers Double duo team. Mm-hmm. combo. Pat Sharp would be a fighter. I mean, Pat Sharp looks like Ken... Um, from the video games. I think, yeah, maybe Capcom modelled Ken on Pat Sharp. Nightmare? And the timer would not be a timer, it would be that scary face from Nightmare which turns into a skull right at the end. I've, I own that idea <laughs> and all the IPs. So Bison's got these hostages um, and they are all, I guess, are they A.N.? Well, it's A-N, not U-N, isn't it? Yes, I So guess. everything has an on the side, like an truck, <laughs> an barrel. And um, there's a bit later which says an refugee camp. And like, no, it's a refugee <laughs> camp, you idiot. Well, I guess if it was U-N, it would be un refugee camp. Un refugee camp. <laughs> true, very true. Bison is this big dictator, head of Shadaloo. He is a big dictator. What a a dictator. What a dictator. Yes, so he's kidnapped all these hostages and he's holding them for ransom for $20 billion and he's basically given the AN soldiers 72 hours. Three days. For them to wire him the money. And his main, I guess, his antagonist, well, Mm -hmm. he's our protagonist... But, I mean, it depends who you're siding with in the movie. If you love America, then Guile. Yeah. If, well... <laughs> you, if you love China, it's Chung Lee. If you like Jamaica, if Jamaica's your bag. Um... DJ. Oh, yeah, he's the Jamaican one. <laughs> I didn't notice because of the outrageous accent. His rival is Colonel Guile. Mm-hmm. So maybe we should talk a little bit about, because they are the two big stars in the movie, who do you want to... Do first. Shall we talk Van Damme? Let's yeah, let's save the best to last. So uh, <laughs> we'll do Van Damme first. Van Damme, the muscles from Brussels, playing an all-American hero. It may sound like sometimes we're criticising this film, but I think I have found a, a not a newfound appreciation. It's it's been on the up, on the rise. I feel this film had, was slated when it came out, but I think now the third turd is tidying <laughs> that's a Freudian slip <laughs> the turd is tidying oh no <laughs> um the tide is t- <laughs> I mean you couldn't pick any better word um the tide is turning and I feel I feel this film knows what it is and it's a total joy and not literally every bit works but I've, it's just one of these things where even the, the crap stuff like t-hawk is a waste of space but and he, he just he comes out with lines which comes which come out of like a kids tv show from the 90s it's like there's a bit when guy wants to fight bison mano and mano and t-hawk was like sir no that's exactly what he wants like, <laughs> yeah we know this you 
mentalists. So, um, but that I love. I, I, it just goes for it. It doesn't do it by half measures. Van Damme, though it's really, really perplexing why they chose Van Damme to be this all-American hero. All they really needed is a guy who could fight and do the splits. Although I don't think he does splits in this. He probably sleeps in the splits. But I guess I wouldn't have it any other way. I mean, I'm a card-carrying Highlander fan. I do have a card. (laughs) And obviously that film suffers from outrageously odd accents with a Spanish Sean Connery and a a French Christopher Lambert Scotsman. So I'm just going to roll with... Van Damme being American, and I think um, we learnt that there was a line cut from the film where it explains that you know he he is a an American citizen. Yes, apparently he's not from... American obsessive. No, but like they explain his accent away by he's from Louisiana, like uh, the French Quarter of mm. New Orleans, like Tommy Wiseau. Yeah, Tommy Wiseau would be. <sighs> yeah, Tommy Wiseau. Blanker. <laughs> Blank. Oh, yeah. Oh, man. <laughs> oh, good. So anyway. But it does seem like Capcom were pushing for Van Damme to be in the movie. And his a fee was $8 million out of a $35 million budget. Gosh, yeah, when you break it down like that. How much was that was spent on Coke? <laughs> Maybe quite a lot. According to reports, he was heavily coked up during the making of this movie. I see. I, I never see this sort of thing. I must... I just must be blind to certain things because I, he, he seems kind of like at the top of his, well, no, maybe not the top of his game. There's some, he, he doesn't, he's got, he's given some great lines to say and he half asses them, I think. Yeah, he, he misses as much as he hits. I think even though he's top billing and is, is pitched a little bit as the hero, he doesn't really do so much. And it does seem hmm. like the film just is quite happy to get on without him for big stretches of the movie. He he always seems a bit distant, like he's not really there in the moment in the scene. Unless he's, like, kicking someone, then he's happy as Larry. Mm. But... He doesn't seem like a leader. No. I mean, Chung Lee, by comparison, she's leading her team. Yeah. And she's very active. But Guile, he, he knows there's the 72 hours left, and he's... Yeah, he does seem to just be getting up late in the morning and coming down for like a, a casual meeting of like lovely coffees and and pointing at a map, any map. <laughs> but he does thwart an assassin in that moment. Yes, there's a very Austin Powers. This film reminded me of Austin Powers a lot. And in this scene, uh, I was talking about they're getting served coffee while studying a map and then suddenly the waiter drops his coffee, produces a knife, jumps on the table, announces his presence, thereby yeah. eliminating the surprise, and then is immediately sweep-kicked and knocked out. I mean, who would you cast as a as an American? If fight... I mean, fighting doesn't... Fighting skills doesn't necessarily seem to be a priority. Who would you have cast... I'm just trying to think of who the big stars in 1994 would I mean, have been. This is what we're saying. I mean, there were, it was like, it was Van Damme, Stallone and Schwarzenegger and Bruce Willis. I'm imagining Arnold Schwarzenegger as Bison, but I would not replace our Bison with anyone right now. But who would play Guile? Yeah, that's the question. A young uh, Keanu Reeves, if they'd blonded him up. Well, I guess Speed was the same year. Uh, well, he could have... He was maybe a bit too young. 
Kiefer Sutherland, Christian Slater. Emilio Estevez. Emilio Estevez. <laughs> Just thinking like 80, the Brat Pack. Ooh, um, who's that guy in The Breakfast Club who, who throws his fist up at the end? I know Judd Nelson. Judd Nelson <laughs> as Colonel Guile. Again, you're just... Sure. He has... I mean, one weird thing about Guile in the game, he's got a flat top, and Van Damme sort of does, but it's not as extreme. There is a prison guard later on who looks more like Guile from the games than Van Damme does. Mm. Guile normally wears green, and I know you can colour change him, but I think throughout this film, a lot of the characters clothing has been sort of colour or not it's not the correct colour palette swapped they've been palette swapped and I didn't like it there's some fun dialogue with Van Damme as Guile but you could almost take him out of the movie and not much would change yeah if anything he gets in Chung Lee's way sorry the guy, the main the guy on the front of the poster is entirely unnecessary but then we would lose the line I think Simon Callow makes an appearance at one point as some sort of British official. But I think at one point he goes, have you lost your mind? Guile goes, no, you've lost your balls. And uh, that brought the house down at the screening. Of course, his antagonist is Bison himself, who makes the film. M. Bison Magnificent Bison <laughs> is what does he have does what does M stand for? Well, it's all to do with how the names in the games in Japan are different to UK mm. and oh, internationally. Yes. Because M Bison was actually the name of the boxer character, but that was meant to be a play on M Tyson, as in Mike Tyson. So I assume M Bison, his first name is Mike. But yes, they had to shift around the characters because of potential, I don't know, lawsuits. So effectively, in Japan, Bison is Vega. Do you think Vega really... is Balrog? Balrog is M Bison. I wonder if this film's really confusing then when it finally came to Japan because there are people chanting Vega, Vega, Vega when it should be Balrog. Balrog. And there's Bisonopolis and Bison Dollars. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's all very confusing. Although apparently in the Japanese version of the Street Fighter, the movie, the game, they retained the names as in the film. But yes, M. Bison, played by Raul Julia in a beautiful swan song mm. of a role. It is a great shame. Um, I mean, I mentioned earlier how I didn't really notice Van Damme being coked up because like, I seem to be blind to that, but... I feel like a lot of the time people talk about this film and make reference to how he was recovering from, from stomach cancer, a stomach cancer operation. But sadly, shortly after the film, he passed away. The film is dedicated to him. And people say that you can tell in the film that he looks emaciated. But I, just, I don't get it. I don't see it myself. He seems like a powerhouse. He seems, I mean, he doesn't, when he's fighting, he doesn't seem to be fighting that brilliantly but i put that down to him not actually being a fighter even though he professes all the time to being a warrior but the thing is a he is absolutely mad and this is what i love about the character in this film he is mad and i think up until recently you you would wonder how could a mad man control so much power but you know in this day and age we live in that sort of <laughs> sort of world so he hasn't had a tragic upbringing. He, he he views himself as a god, and it is so much fun to have 
this actor just go with it and he believes he is just top shit <laughs> he believes he is emperor of the world yeah there's no attempt to ground him but mm. in a way that's what makes him so interesting and charismatic and fascinating as a performance and the fact that he decries uh, people for calling him mad and he explains in one of his speeches in reference to the fact that he's declared a madman by the media and by the world. Why do they call me mad? All I want to do is create the perfect genetic soldier. Not for evil, but for good. Yeah, and for then peace. He, but that's what I love. It's He's a complete hypocrite. And he, and you know later on in the film, he, he says, I want to fight uh, Guile, unarmed combat. And then... He dies and then comes back to life because he has his own personal health alert system, which we could all use, I think. Um, Guile goes like, what, what happened to unarmed combat? You're shooting lightning bolts at me like uh, Emperor Palpatine. And he goes, this is just superconductor electromagnetism. Like, <laughs> what a hypocrite. But that's, what, that's, that's the annoying thing about dictators. <laughs> They're not consistent. They just point out the flaws in others and do not see any flaws themselves. And he is, his decrees are absolute. He, he never seems genuinely apologetic about anything. The only time he's sorry is when he thinks Kyle, Guile has died. And he says, oh, I was hoping to meet him on the battlefield. Mm. Two warriors and then I'll snap his neck. The path not taken at the start of the film when he is giving his ransom notice. There's all these AN soldiers he's kidnapped and he's offering them a free punch and they just fail oh, yeah. miserably and he just snaps their necks I mean, like again, chickens. You shouldn't laugh, but it was, it was quite funny how there was like a queue of people like going up to like an ATM, <laughs> but an ATM which was snap your neck, ATM bison. Okay, I just got a real Lost in Powers vibe because his $20 billion is, is a Dr. Evil amount of money Bison hacks in to Chung Lee's TV camera so he can talk directly to Guile. Guile looks down the lens of the camera and starts speaking back, but also can see his friend Charlie. He goes, Charlie, Charlie, I'm coming for you, Charlie. How is Guile seeing Charlie? I don't <laughs> Unless there's a TV screen. I don't know if... He is seeing Charlie in that moment. I think he might know that Charlie has been kidnapped mm. by Bison. And he's just saying, Charlie, I'm coming for you, Charlie. And Bison sees Charlie's reaction and goes over to him. Yeah. Um, Guile effectively dooms his friend, though. <laughs> by yeah. It's like a Die Hard, really, when... Um, what's the guy's name? Ellis. Ellis tries to be a booby prow. <laughs> I think we'll be dipping in and out of Bison as we go through this thing. I think for far too long, people have been saying, what a shame that he was in the Street Fighter. What a shame that this was his last film. I doubt Raul Julia felt that he was, was do, get, doing anything other than having amazing time um, making this film. And to, for one man to be both M. Bison and Gomez Adams... I mean, he he is a legend, and I've seen I have seen some of his other films, but uh, those two these two films kind of hit me at the right time, and uh, 
I mentioned Skeletor in Masters of the Universe before. Again, a great villain in, in an underappreciated movie. Quite often in a bad f- film. Not I'm saying this is bad, though I did call it a turd earlier. At least you can sometimes have the villain, and the villain can have fun, because they get the juiciest lines. I was just trying... I don't think there's one shonky line delivery. And there, I think everyone in this film sometimes multiple times gives shonky line deliveries. But not, I can't think of one time where Bison, where I'm like, mm, no, sorry, Rao, you didn't do it that time. Yeah, no slice of dialogue knowingly underperformed. They had half a set by the end of the film due to all the scenery he consumed. But why? Why do they still call me a warlord? And mad? All I want to do is to create the perfect genetic soldier. Not for power, not for evil, but for good. Carlos Blanca will be the first of many. They shall march out of my laboratory and sweep away every adversary, every creed, every nation until the very planet is in the loving grip of the Pax Bisonica. And then peace will reign in the world. All humanity shall bow to me in humble gratitude. That was beautiful. Now, if you knew anything about Street Fighter before going to see this movie, you would have thought that the main character in the film would have been Ryu and or Ken. Ryu and or Ken. And or Ken! (laughs) Well, they were the main characters in the first Street Fighter game. Have you actually played the first Street Fighter? I played a strange arcade version in Japan. Is that a rollerball? No, it has a pressure pad... Mm-hmm. And rather than having separate buttons for soft kick, medium kick, hard kick, or low kick, medium kick, high kick, it was just based on the pressure that you mashed this pad. It was wow. kind of like quite a rare version of the arcade machine, and it was impossible to use. I was going to say, that sounds <laughs> even worse than a lot of Wii games. Mm. Um, I have played it with a regular arcade stick and buttons, and it's pretty slow and not very good. I feel there's some classic game franchises where you can return to the first game and properly enjoy them. Though though it's as tough as nails, things like the original Metroid. No one's going to say Street Fighter is their favourite. No, unless they were being very contrary. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. I do... I mean, it makes sense now that we know that Guile is the main character because they're trying to make her G.I. Joe replacement at Hasbro. But, yeah, another thing which really confused me as a kid was why are Ryu and Ken these sort of con artists who are trying to con people out of guns? They're these street hustlers in Shadaloo Mm -hmm. who are trying to... Rob rob criminals. Yeah, they're doing this arms deal with 
Sagat and Vega, both characters from the games as well. But again, they're slightly repositioned in terms of what their deal is. And I mean, they both Sagat and Vega are positioned as as lieutenants of Bison or or Vlad baddies. So, and they were kind of the sub bosses of Street Fighter Two. You couldn't play as them in the first Street Fighter Two, and you could in subsequent iterations. But um, it kind of threw me when Balrog, who is also a sub boss, shows up as like a good guy. Yeah. If you do have knowledge of the games, your brain does keep getting wrong-footed a few times. Yeah, so uh, Ryu is played by Byron Mann, and there was a bit of a sticking point between Capcom and Stephen D'Souza in terms of casting Ryu, because they wanted the actor Kenya Sawada, the Japanese actor, to play Ryu. And it came to the point that D'Souza instead decided to create a whole new character... Captain mm-hmm. Sawada, in order right. that Kenya Sawada could contractually be included into the movie, because Capcom were trying to push uh, the actor Sawada, who doesn't speak English yeah. very well. I really wondered who this Captain Sawada was, because he was fucking terrible. Yeah. He was really bad. And I thought, he is somebody's cousin, mm. <laughs> he is somebody who's got no place. He was sort of the de facto replacement for Fei Long because Fei Long was not in his film because he's effectively Bruce Lee. Mm. And I thought, oh, they just got just you know, in them in their infinite wisdom, they just got another Asian character. So what it was Capcom's choice for Ryu, and when it turned out that he just couldn't really speak any English, they had to create Sawada. But luckily, he made it into the games as a made-up character. He's in the Street Fighter the movie, the game mm. as any, a playable character. Any other iterations? I don't think so. <laughs> no. Akuma is in the Street Fighter, the movie, the game. Okay. Um, also, one of the... I was going to say Cooper Troopers. One of the Bison Troopers is a character in the <laughs> game called Blades or Blade. Okay. And he's got a knife. Um, well, so we have Byron Man. There's a good article from The Guardian by Keith Stewart all about the making of the movie. And he has some interesting quotes about... The behind the scenes of the of the shoot, which I I suggest you read. So, what about uh, Ken then? What about Ken then? He doesn't make much of an impression either. No, I, he the, certainly doesn't have the hair for Ken. No, it's not quite poofy enough. Yeah, the relationship between Ryu and Ken—it's like a central dynamic of the Street Fighter series, and here it's more like a bickering couple mm. rather than hot-headed fighters choosing their own path to become the ultimate world warrior i think it's a it's a it's a victim of of too many characters and they don't have much time to really develop much of a connection they're basically doing this arms deal with sagat played by wes studi who you all most likely know from things like last of the mohicans heat and then later mystery men Oh, the Sphinx. As the Sphinx, of course. Uh, I watched the behind-the-scenes video of Street Fighter, and they interview him, and he he's sort of staring into the middle distance and saying how this film is set in some sort of crazy fantasy land, like Star Trek or something. <laughs> and I thought, oh, man, imagine if this was like Star Trek. But no. I think 
that's probably the right attitude to go into a film like this, though. One thing this film, I feel, gets very right about the tone of Street Fighter is is the camp. It's very OTT. And, you know, certainly from Street Fighter 2 onwards, you've got giant sumo wrestlers flying from the sky. You've got monsters going, uh, you know, doing electrical attacks. You've got stretchy-legged um, Dalsin. And um, when the game ends, you sort of dance with Gorbachev and things. <laughs> so there's a comedy element to Street Fighter, which I feel a lot of these fan films completely ignore. They're like super serious. Yeah, so they sell Sagat these fake guns, <laughs> which end up firing like ping pong balls instead. Having been rumbled, Sagat forces Ryu to fight Vega in a cage fight but that is then interrupted by Guile in a tank. I would say rudely interrupted. <laughs> it is quite rude to drive a tank into a... I know it's a gambling den, but still, that's through a wall he didn't know necessarily didn't have bleachers with audience members hmm. I think, sat there. I think in any situation you want to try and reduce the risk of someone being crushed by a tank. Yeah. I mean, I alluded to this earlier, this is the one bit where it feels like, oh, we're getting a Street Fighter movie because you've got two fighters in a cage. Vega's stage is a cage in the game. Um, there's a nice little bit of comedy where Ryu gets his uh, tits out and there's a lady with a Vega sign who tosses it away because <laughs> she's so impressed with his torso. Yeah. It's a very impressive torso. Well, Vader is a notoriously vain character in mm. the video games and he wears a mask to preserve his beautiful face. Mm-hmm. So that is pretty accurate when it comes to adaptation. Ryu and Ken, they are, they are then uh, put in jail where they cut a deal with Guile they uh, decide to hatch a scheme where they will fake break out of prison. An amazing plan, <laughs> which could have gone wrong in so many ways. Well, it's it's a fake prison break, but how many people are in on it? Because there's there a lot of be actual gunfire. There could there? be a lot of guards getting shot. There's a lot of prisoners that could have died. It's like taken out into the streets with trucks and cars and guns. Yeah, I was looking for every opportunity for there to be evidence of, of uh, blanks. But oh, many, many boxers get actually shot. I think Guile is firing the gun at the truck and takes up the light. So again, a stray bullet could have killed anyone. Or just gone straight into the engine and blown up the whole vehicle. And the, Or stopped the whole plan dead. <laughs> like, like The vehicle would roll to a halt and Guile would be like, keep going, come on, keep going. Ryu and Ken's running out screaming on fire like how in the games you get yoga flamed and your body is just engorged in flames yeah that should have happened someone should have been totally lit on fire and then get up and they're fine (laughs) (laughs) it's like they're not even not even singed but i mean ken nicks a gun off a guard and again i assume is the correct guard and i don't know if he either fires blanks at guile or shoots guile's squibs because later on we see Guile was faking his own death. I just wondered if there were actual bullets. I know that they have to find Bison's lair so that they can save the hostages, and this is the reason why they do this plot, but it is a pretty bold decision. I mean, surely they should be using their resources to do other stuff mm. with, like, GPS tracking, and I know that early on Cammy was using satellites from the uh, news reporters in mm. order to trace bison's lair but it just seems like a lot of aids in one very shaky basket yeah i could just imagine simon callow saying 
I'm taking you off. You can't take me off, dickhead. 30 people died <laughs> at that prison break you organised. Not to mention all the casualties at the illegal fight den. Yes, and all the prisoners escaped. These were dangerous, <laughs> dangerous prisoners. Did you actually spot in the prison van one of the prisoners sat next to Sagat and Vega? Because one of them was Benny Urquidez, mm-hmm. who is was the fight coordinator on the movie. He's also a world-renowned kickboxer. And in fact, he plays in Gross Point Blank, the kickboxing assassin Felix Lapoubelle. No, I know who you're talking about now. Yeah, he he's a very recognisable face. Yeah, he is John Cusack's personal kickboxing trainer, apparently, which is, I guess, why he's in Gross Point Blank. Although I think I read something on his Wikipedia page which suggested that he was apparently going to be a character in the Street Fighter, the movie, the game, mm-hmm. called Raven. Right. But I think they just didn't bother digitising him, or he was left out of the final game, or whatever. They just didn't... They decided to put generic bison soldier in instead yeah. of him. Now, they had a grid of, like, a square eight-by-eight eight characters, and they didn't want another little... Well, we've got to put a bot... Vestitial character there. We've got to put a bots for random character yeah well maybe (laughs) maybe he plays blade but with a helmet on Hmm. one other thing i noticed that ken and ryu like to do in their mission in their undercover mission in sagat's gang is to say pretty loudly how they are undercover ken and ryu end up in bison's uh, lair and the good guys are taken away to be tortured ken almost at the top of his lungs, says to, to Ryu, this sucks, they're the good guys, like us. <laughs> it's like, Whoosh, shut up. But they have convinced Sagat that they're on the same side. Because, having shot Guile? Yeah, having shot Guile, having given him the keys in order to unlock his handcuffs, etc. So having could... mugged a child in front of Sagat as well. <laughs> Stolen a lollipop. Yeah, beaten up an old lady. <laughs> <laughs> For, for fun. <laughs> I mean, it's kind of like the Boy Scouts. You have certain badges of uh, good yes, uh, a syringe acts, badge. But you have to do five mean things and get patches for them before you can get into Sagat's gang. Yeah, Sagat goes, we are known as the Mean Scouts. <laughs> With Ken and Ryu on Sagat's side, they are brought along to an arms camp where Sagat will sell guns to M. Bison. They mention he has the most high-tech weaponry at the start of the film, and just looks like normal guns to me. I'm sure if you branded the balls which pop out of the fake grenade launchers, at least if you just stuck the Bison logo on them, he'd be happy. Yes. I mean, if you put the Bison logo on anything, he'd be happy. (laughs) I mean, here, he is about branding, because Mm. later on we do get to see Bison's chamber... And not only does he have some fantastic propaganda posters, Mm. he also has some beautiful artwork. It's weird he has propaganda hanging in his own boudoir. I I think he would be very aware that it's propaganda. Yeah, but I think it's, you know, self-morale. Yeah, Yeah. exactly. I don't think he ever has a moment where he wonders if he's he's the baddie. Yeah. (laughs) But along with um, that, when he is serving drinks... He has little bison logo skulls on the top of the straws mm. as well. Just a be- <laughs> like 
he's employed someone to just brand everything with his logo right down to just the drinks. No, the details like that makes this film great. Yeah. Um, again, you don't do little details like that if you're not doing a, a knowing wink to the audience. So, mm. again, anyone who um, gave us a negative review of that back then, you know, take a good hard look at yourself <laughs> and think about those straws. Yeah, there's a quote from Stephen D'Souza about the film and people say it's so dim-witted it's funny, but we knew it was funny. How can you see that movie and think it's funny by accident? Yeah, I mean, there's a bit when a sumo wrestler is fighting a Russian bear of a man over a model village and they put Godzilla sound effects, <laughs> sound effects while some Japanese people watch. It's a bit eye-rolling, but... They weren't actually making those Godzilla sounds. Someone put some silly sounds on that. Yeah, it does seem to suggest, though, that Japanese people see everything with... They hear kaiju noises. I mean, speaking of branding, so Sagat thinks he's got this amazing deal with Bison and he's going to get all this money for giving him the guns and he gives him a big suitcase filled with bills, but it's Bison dollars. Again, I think that's a wonderful little... Touched. Bison dollars have been in my mind for some time. <laughs> I don't know. It's not just a funny joke, but it's also speech to just the, again, the idea of the grand dictator. He's mad, know, again. The what? god complex. Mm. It's like in Turkmenistan, you had the former president who created a golden statue to himself, which then rotated throughout the day, so it was always facing the sun. Oh my god. Um... Isn't that that documentary show, Dark Tourists, where I think they go to these just completely empty cities, just made to to celebrate the the great godlike dictator, but they're complete ghost towns. Mm. And there are these massive multi-lane motorways, but nobody has cars. So as ridiculous as Bison, Bison is, is, I like the fact that it's... Only one or two steps. Mm. I mean, I don't like the fact it's terrifying if it's only one or two steps <laughs> um, to away from reality. He, he's entertaining, so that counts for something. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I would buy into the bison cult if it was Raul Julia doing it. I mean, he again, another line he says is um, he shouts at Gal, you came to fight a madman and instead you found a god? God, that's amazing. And then he yeah. does it, he takes off he flies yeah he literally <laughs> flies but yeah so he's given sagat these a big suitcase of bison dollars who he says but one bison dollar will be worth five british pounds once i kidnap the queen again it's like there's no limit to his his plans yeah you uh, yeah I, I would happily see a sequel where the street fighters band together to um, protect the queen Maybe bison butts are more stable than your average cryptocurrency mm-hmm. nowadays. Bitcoin dollars. I can't believe I invested in bison coin. I should have done Bitcoin. Mm. Well, at this camp, at this um, this arms camp, is uh, is also where Chung Li and her mates Balrog and Honda basically get the drop on bison. And um, Chung Li has been. And her crew have been sort of dotted throughout the first portion of the film, but really just on on the back of Gar's plots. Um, she's started. She's introduced as a reporter, one of the reporters we see at the start of the film, and she's getting up in uh, Giles' grill 
quite a lot just because she's asking searching questions in the game she is an actual interpol agent with a very unusual dress sense but in this film we learn she has become a reporter in order to get close to gather information about bison and therefore discover the best way to get at him and then she ends up getting kidnapped so I don't think that's part of her plan, but it works out. Um, yeah, her plan is to get in a room with Bison and uh, end him. Yeah, but uh, she's played by Ming-Na Wen, who is a Games on Film MVP because mm-hmm. she is in Street Fighter as Chun-Li. She also is Mulan in the Disney movie Mulan and Mulan 2, and also Ralph Breaks the Internet. So that's two games right. on a film. Didn't realise. Movies. And she is also the lead character in Final Fantasy, The Spirits Within. So... she did. I did not know that. She'll be a, a three-movie... But she doesn't look anything like... <laughs> <laughs> that's the thing. I, I picture that character looking like that. I forget that they're not modelled completely on... Yeah, it wasn't really mocap time. No, no. no. So that's going to be an interesting film to tackle... But yeah, she's she's a badass in this. I, I, I like her a lot. And um, things get maybe s- slightly duller at the end when, when all the action happens. And I think Chung Lee, once she has her big scene with Bison, sort of fades into the background. She doesn't do much else other than die for cover and things like everyone else is. But I think she brings quite a lot of character mm. to maybe a slightly thankless role in in some respects i mean revenge tales are a dime a dozen but she wants to get bison because he killed her father but you 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 do get a sense i mean she mentions at one point i've been doing this for 20 years you can't stop me now guile i'm having such a good time (laughs) (laughs) so yeah i mean great performance i think maybe in terms of the goodies probably the best performance Possibly. Not, you know, in terms of like acting. Yeah. I mean, there's some great comedy performances. Yeah. Unintentionally or intentionally. But she seems to commit to the role mm. in a non embarrassing way. Mm. In this interview in The Guardian, she says about the different actors on the film, she said, they were all big wussies. <laughs> I won't name names, but I got into one of those brother-sister banter relationships with one of the other actors. I remember one day I punched him so hard he cried. We were just goofing around. I bet that was Ken. You think? I mean, I think because Ryu, the guy who plays him, is an actual martial artist. Is that right? Well, yeah, he's he's been in sort of Hong Kong action movies, I think. Yeah, so enjoy her performance. And she is trying to get close to Bison uh, under the guise of a performance magic act troupe. So Balrog, who in the games is a boxer, but he's in the film, he's a cameraman. And you have E. Honda, who in the games is a sumo wrestler. And in the film, I guess he's the sound guy. He's He's the outside broadcasting OB. Yeah, he's in the van. Yeah, man in the van. I I wish Balrog had worn his... uh... Gloves while trying to operate a camera. (laughs) Might have been a little bit tricky. Uh, Well, actually, there is a diehard connection Mm because the actor who plays Balrog Grand L. Bush is Mm. Agent Johnson. I did not. Not Robert Davy, Agent Johnson. The other Agent Johnson. No relation. Who is also in Licence to Kill, as is Robert Davy, I think. Um, Both Johnsons are in Licence to Kill? Both Johnsons are in Licence to Kill. 
God, he he doesn't look anything like him. It's, it's that weird haircut, I suppose. Yeah, he's been given, I guess, Balrog's video game do, which is unfortunately I don't know, not really a hairstyle which works for anyone. No, but most characters do look like their characters, though. I think Sagat looks identical. Um, Bison's good. Cammy and just I think the only one who looks a bit weird initially, well, is Dal Sim because he's he's bald and stretchy and he ends up bald at the end of the film due to like chemicals which is well, weird apparently wasn't just about chemicals he was meant to be tearing his hair out out of frustration or his hair was mm. falling out because weird. of other reasons i don't know the actor didn't seem to know what was going there's, on there's like a whole the dalson blanca stuff seems to be in like a body horror film like a family friendly body horror film which has no real place in this one does it well, let's finish up at the camp yes. first. Anyway, Chun-Li, Balrog and Honda, they're posing as this magic act and Chun-Li is put into a barrel which has Capcom written on the top of the lid of the barrel for no discernible, no discernible reason. reason. It's apparently Capcom, as well as doing video games, they sell arms. No, or they just sell barrels. Um, car- video game cartridges and barrels. Yes, barrels ten. of games. Ten, ten games for a pound. Ten games. So they're doing this little magic act, and I wonder how good that magic act is. Because I mean, how much I mean, training did they do on the magic the, rather than infiltrating Bison's lair? The audience does seem impressed that they they did do a genuinely great show. Did the effort you're talking about effort? The effort you would need to be approved to perform at Sagat's magic show. <laughs> I would have been great. There should have been a lovely bit where she chops the gat in half and everyone goes, hee hee hee, and there's all my legs are underneath all the time. <laughs> and then Bison has a go and His no, chainsaw. No, does the guillotine trick. Yeah. With a real guillotine. Ha ha ha. Maybe they use the fake guillotine and she turns to Honda and gives him a massively angry look. And Honda's like, you would have, have killed him. It's bad. Hmm. That's not how the trick works. It's just a bit strange. If she, I guess if she wants to get out alive. And maybe, just maybe, she is thinking about the hostages as well. Because I suppose if she kills Bison there, what happens to the hostages? Did the guards just let them go after 72 hours? <laughs> yeah, I don't know whether it's one of those things where if the leader dies, do people just go about their jobs? might be one of those stupid science fiction films where if you kill the queen all the pinch people die and that's convenient that's a good way to wrap up a film it'd be a bit weird and sick if that was the case it's just like i'm signed up to bison's army um but he installed this chip in the back mm. of my head so if he dies i die too i hope that doesn't happen when our, our actual queen passes away oh, oh, shit. everyone in britain, <laughs> everyone in britain sort of <laughs> this scene has some great stuff in it after Chung Lee disappears. She goes up to this truck full of explosives and she sets it off down the hill towards the camp itself. And um, she gives a little video message as well. She literally advertises what's about to happen when if she had said nothing, she could have destroyed all her enemies. Admittedly, Ryu and Ken as well, but who cares? She doesn't like them because Ken was creeping on her and mm. following her to her tent in order to get sweet with her. Yeah, I would, I would blow him up with a truck full of explosives, given <laughs> half the chance. Yeah, but she, she sets the explosives down the hill and then one of Zangief's best lines appears because they're watching this truck on the TV screen rolling towards them. 
and Zangief exclaims, Quick, change the channel! And that is a good line. He, is some, he has got some great lines. It's, it's, a, it's not perhaps the best performance, but it doesn't need to be. It's very broad. Panto. It's silly, but, you know, just little things like him crying at the end of Bison's Bisonopolis speech or at the end of the movie when everyone's escaping and DJ is taking something from the safe and escaping the lair and... Um, DJ is saying, this, this Bison's evil, are you stupid? I'm doing it because he paid me a lot of money. Zangief goes, you got paid? <laughs> and he looks just like the game as well. Yeah, yeah. I think he is probably the closest facsimile of... Mm. character to game although i wonder whether the idea of zangief being a dumb person stems from this movie i don't think it's necessarily his characterization in from the, the uh, games i think it's, it's just it's the american view at the end of the day i mean russians have forever been like the enemy even though the cold war was effectively over it was still very much fun to portray russians as like big tough Egypts, and so um, that's just I think it's just what Zangief is really. He's he's a caricature. Maybe this film would have been more accurate and less misleading if it was called Big Tough Egypts. <laughs> big Tough Egypts. <laughs> I can't remember the publication unfortunately, but I was reading some vintage Street Fighter stuff, and it was talking, it was celebrating the diversity of the characters. And then, yes, the World Warriors is great. And that's the whole point of Street Fighter. It's the best World Warrior. But when you look at it through modern eyes, it's just a big collection of stereotypes, really. And I guess that's, that's part of the fun, as part of the charm. But at the same time, it's, again, stereotypical. You know. But I would say at the time, games were fairly simplified and sprites mm. and characters and you needed stuff to be very simple and eye-catching and you look at Honda and you know exactly what he is just from the way his character in the game looks. Yeah. I don't know what you're meant to think when you look at Blanca, but that's a, another story. Yeah, I mean, going back to my dissertation, I do remember talking about, even though these characters all have backstories, video players ultimately don't care about backstories. You care about the movesets and the speed. You don't play... I mean, I my favourite character in Street Fighter to play as is probably Chung-Li, and it's not because I give two figs about her backstory as an Interpol agent or because of her father's death. I like her because she's fast. Uh, I like the 100-foot kick and the spinning bird kick. You know, I just like her moves. And so because video game developers know you're not going to give a crap about the backstory really it's more in their design where you tell a story which is why uh ryu in the game wears the traditional japanese gi you know right away he is a serious martial artist and why chung li wears the chinese the classic chinese outfit you know right away that she's from china so i guess what i'm trying to say is stereotypes can have their place or maybe it's more about stereotypes in the game i mean it, it tells a story i guess is what i'm trying to say so i mean after the sequence at the camp where they've all been evacuated it all explodes but uh ken and ryu basically sell out chun li and her crew and they are captured and taken to bison's base well this is all done off screen 
or, effectively yeah or there or in a very odd trans- transition there's fire there's flame the camp is is being exploded you hear bison yell find chung lee and then we see this cgi map and then the next shot is chung lee and bison and everyone walking into bison's base yeah we don't yeah. see their their capture or anything but once they get to the base, it's funny you talk about design of characters, but this is where, for instance, now that Ryu and Ken are on Sagat and in that respect Bison's side, they are given training outfits and mm. Ryu gets his white martial arts outfit and Ken gets his red one. And when Chun-Li is going to be taken to Bison's chamber for a private interview, uh, she is given the traditional Chinese dress to wear at that moment. And later on, um, after Zangief and Ihondra have had a scrap, the scars that they have look like the scars mm. the character Zangief has in the game, as well as, you know, there's some blood on Honda's face, which is looking like the Kabuki oh, makeup, yeah. like the uh, character in the game. Because so, he's, he's from Hawaii in this. Yeah, so yeah. He's, from, he's got Japanese descent, I imagine. Yeah. They say that he was almost Yokozuna mm-hmm. level and and stuff in uh, sumo wrestling. But also what you were saying in terms of movesets, it is later on when characters do actually start fighting because mm. they've been withheld from fighting for so long, but you do see them attempt to put in moves from the games. Mm. So you have Balrog doing like a wind-up punch. Vader does like a little roll and stab with his hooked hand. Mm-hmm. You have... Ryu doing his spinning kick. Guile does his... He also does like a Hadouken as well. A kind of semi-Hadouken. He kind of pushes his hands against someone's chest and there's like a flash stuck in the camera. But As as a kid, you're just like, why aren't they shooting fireballs? (laughs) (laughs) And Honda does a big hundred-hand slap. So there's lots of times where they have tried to incorporate a move as a little bit of fan service, even if it doesn't make a lick of sense in the context of the well, film. I think also it doesn't really bring attention to itself too much. I quite like... I feel that the the change into outfits is kind of natural. I mean, yes, Chung Lee's been forced into this outfit, but it seems the sort of thing that Bison would do. So I think it's a quite a clever way for them to get into some of their iconic gear without... Superman putting on a Superman outfit for no good reason. You know what I mean? It's like, I know it's Kryptonian armor. It looks stupid. <laughs> Shall we talk about the Bison Chun Li encounter? It's the only time in the film where we get to have a little bit of a pause, and it's just fantastic. What Chun Li does is describe. Bison in his earlier days when he's just like a petty, he's not like a warlord yet, but he's a petty criminal and he he kills uh, Chung Li's father sort of just out of spite because he has been beaten in an attempt to raid a village. Or maybe he did raid a village, but it seems like a very vindictive killing. And all the while, Bison is undressing, getting out of his uh, wonderful sort of leather outfit and cape and getting into the most delightful smoking jacket. It was 20 years ago. You hadn't promoted yourself to general yet. You were just a petty drug lord. (laughs) You and your gang of murderers gathered your small ounce of courage to raid across the border for food, weapons, (laughs) slave labor. My 
My father was the village magistrate. A simple man with a simple code, justice. He gathered the few people that he could to stand against you. <laughs> you and your bullies were driven back by farmers with pitchforks. <laughs> My father saved his village at the cost of his own life. You had him shot as you ran away. A hero at a thousand paces. I'm sorry. I don't remember any of it. You don't remember? For you, the day Bison graced your village was the most important day of your life. But for me, it was Tuesday. That got nearing near a stand a standing ovation when we saw it in the cinema. It's the it's the reason why we release our podcast on the Tuesdays. We we almost call this podcast it was Tuesday because of this line. It's just a, it's just a proper boo hiss villainy line. I mean, even worse, it was probably like a Thursday or something, and he's he's got the wrong day. Mm. <laughs> but um, yeah, it just shows you in a nutshell why Bison is so such a hissable villain. Mm. He um, a, a woman is telling him how he murdered uh, her father, and he just a, just an average day. Yeah. Just, yeah, Tuesday is my murdering father's day. No, not a special day. He'll murder a father any day of the week, yeah. even on bank holidays. But Chun-Li does attempt to then assassinate Bison. And you think that Chun-Li almost has Bison in her clutches. He, he has the he shit takes kicked a, out of him. Yeah, he takes a solid beating, but mm. then... Her friends and Ryu and Ken, I think they get there in time to try and save her, but she was handling Bison perfectly well, but that distraction gives Bison enough time to escape into a panic room and a unleash... Glass, a glass wall panic room so you can watch it. Yeah, unleash gas into the chamber, uh, knocking everyone unconscious, and there's a wonderful dissolve of him cackling... And that dissolves into this skull fireplace. So it looks like his mouth is filled with flames and he's mm. got a skull in his face. I mean, Bison... Yeah, those wide eyes as well. Yeah, Bison's got a thing for skulls. He's got like a skeleton chandelier in his in his room and, you know... this like Geiger-esque, isn't it, H.R. Geiger? Yeah. I mean, but that's why we all, love him. We've all got skulls, haven't we? So <laughs> we shouldn't be ashamed of our skulls. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, uh, when the gas is seeping out the ceiling, Honda has the slowest reaction to it. He sort of just rolls his head up and goes, Gas! And he holds his nose. Leaves his mouth open. Too late. Egypt. (laughs) I mean, the reason why her friends burst in at the wrong moment is that uh, Honda and Barog have just been rescued from captivity by Ryu and Ken. Barog and Honda had been kept in, in a generic dungeon, with their own uh, personal torturer <laughs> and um, ensuite, ensuite torturer. Yeah, there's a weird line, isn't there? When uh, the the torturer leaves, and Honda, having put on a brave face, he collapses, and Balrog says, "Can I give you a hand?" And Honda says, "We've only been in here a few hours. Maybe next month." 
That's like a the worst wank joke I've ever heard. <laughs> Not the time or the place, Honda. It's it's strange because even though there's lots of I'm gonna kick your butt and women in this film who are there purely for eye candy. Well, they were going for PG-13, mm. and then when the film was reviewed by the MPAA, it got slapped with an R, so they had to cut stuff out, cut stuff out, cut stuff out, and got it all the way down to a PG only, but they had to bump it up to PG-13 because that was in Jean-Claude Van Damme's contract, so they ADR'd a line where he says, four years of ROTC for this shit. Mm. So they stuffed a shit in there. None of the wank jokes no. were made at PG-13 or all the sexy babes. But... Do you think the wank jokes went over the MPAA's head? Yes, most likely. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so are all the, all the heroes bar the AN posse are then handcuffed to a convenient set of handcuffs in Bison's lair. I guess... At some point, Ryu has set off the the signal. I mean, again, I've seen this film twice in the last 48 hours, and I can't remember them activating this tracking signal. But A.N. now know the location of Bison's lair, and they decide to storm the base by going on boats. But first, Simon Callow appears and tries to stop Guile, but Guile's doing this rousing... I say rousing. <laughs> he's doing a speech. I enjoyed all the faces of the extras being all watery-eyed. And there's some really cherubic-looking um, uh, soldiers with my first moustache. <laughs> they look like they should be on a Christmas card. The average age of an AN soldier during the Shadaloo conflict was... No, 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 19. No, 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 19. Yeah. He says, this man says we can go home. And he says that a lot. Yeah. It's not quite freedom. But then what is? No, but it'd be odd if you were shouting about freedom. (laughs) (laughs) So they say, uh, get stuffed, Simon Callow. Guile jumps into his stealth boat. Mm -hmm. The crime-solving boat, (laughs) which you remind me of. I quite like the stealth boat. Again, this is one of these things which makes sense when you realise it was there to sell a toy line in a fighting game it's it's like when spider-man has his spider-man car or spider-man helicopter mm. um to activate the stealth you have to put your helmet flap down <laughs> yeah they have and these kind of weird cycle helmets and you went by when you before flicking the switch stealth boat you have to put the flap down and then shake like you're in star trek so you don't get green light in your eyes so your face doesn't get stealthed but then they unflap their helmets and mm. once you're once you're actually in stealth mode it's fine but the transition period That's clearly the... you need to protect your eyes yeah you're between worlds <laughs> <laughs> visible and invisible and sometimes in the film you get a flashback and we we go into the character's mind to see that flashback other times guile has a a video of his flashback. He has a flashback cassette. He has. He puts in the cassette and he has a flashback of him and his mate Carlos round a table with, I'm assuming, some prostitutes, <laughs> some some pop music. It's been all the orchestral, really, music. And then we get this weird little pop music bit, which goes... I looked up the artist as well. Oh, it's called... Um, it's a random needle drop called Worth Fighting For by Angelique Kidjo. Um Good. Good, yeah. Well, should we talk about Carlos? Yeah, so... Because Guile has personal beef with Bison now, just like Chun-Li. So Guile's best bud in the whole wide world, Carlos Blanca, 
aka Charlie, aka Blanker, <laughs> um, uh, he was kidnapped by Bison and because of his personal relationship with Dial has been subjected as the test subject for Bison's super genetic soldier program because it's another film with super genetic soldiers just like Far Cry. Just like Far Cry. But is this on an island? Mm. It's on a delta, I think. Yeah. So he's been subjected to this program which involves big sacks of chemicals and mm. Some of them are green, and it says mutagens or DNA mutagens. Mm -hmm. And I think some of them are orange, and it says sort of anabolic, maybe steroids or something, because mm. they're increasing his body mass. What, it was but, just Fanta. But the fact is that some are... It's like, because it's Blanker, the character, who has green skin and orange hair, mm -hmm. it's like, do the mutagens warp his skin green and the anab its anabolic hair dye or something which turns his <laughs> yeah. hair orange? But you don't have dandruff, Blanker. I know, because <laughs> I use anabolic head and shoulders. Anyway, and while he's trapped in this booth and they're increasing his muscle mass, mm -hmm. uh, they are subjecting him to... Lots of footage of chaos and war and suffering. And I think there's some even, like, actual footage of people being killed in conflict. It's like faces of death. <sighs> A bit distasteful, isn't it? I mean, going back to what the, what was in the air of the time, there was a lot of debate about violent video games. And so it's quite an interesting stance for this film to take, where they do say you can be influenced by violent imagery. A little bit later on, some lovely imagery of smiling children, families, and puppies gets piped into by into um Blanker's brain, including Martin Luther King saying, uh, "I'll have a dream." But really, only the start <laughs> he, of that sentence. He didn't say, "Oh, I'll have a dream." <laughs> uh, I had. Oh, I have. What is? I had a dream. I have a dream. Yes. I think that's what I said. <laughs> So they're just like, oh, I'll have a dream. <laughs> oh, one, one dream for me, please. <laughs> um, no, so he has the start of the sentence, I have a dream, but not the rest of it. I'm assuming Carlos knows where, where that speech goes. It's trying to tap into general knowledge part of the yeah. brain, I guess. Yeah, it's he, so now his brain is 49% horror. 51% uh, pub quiz material. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> He's going to be great at trivia. But who is giving him all these chemicals and footage, both good and bad? It's Dr. Dalsim. I feel like in the games, Dalsim is perhaps the most problematic character because... Just because. <laughs> <laughs> because, 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 because. Because of the stretchy things he does. <laughs> I've never actually been a fun, fond of playing as him, but he's got a cool set of moves and... Um, I just don't know. He just seems to be just a, a mystic type, generic, stereotypical dude. Um, in this film, he is a sort of scientist doctor. He's kind of depressed because he says Bison has perverted his research. But I do wonder what his research was before Bison got him to do this genetic experiment. What? Who? What? I mean, I'm presuming he um, he did the experiment with the TVs on the face to make you watch imagery. So what was he doing before? Well, he is in shackles, so I assume mm. he has been kidnapped and forced against his will. Maybe yeah. he was just doing some kind of research in terms of psychological effects of imagery. And But, what I mean, what's interesting is that Bison says to him, 
Tell you what. After I've crushed my enemies, I will see that you get published. <laughs> just that's all an academic wants. They hmm. just want to be in the Lancet. <laughs> Recognition. Yeah. I mean, this is a silly movie, but I think hokiness plus mortishness just creates cringe. I mean, just I feel very sorry for the actor when he does finally become blanker and he's just looks like Lou Ferrigno Incredible Hulk mm. and with a bad frizzy orange wig on top. It's I mean, just I, do, I appreciate that they tried to make him blanker, that they didn't just make him a genetic a generic mutant, but at the same time the makeup does not look that great and he um doesn't look monstrous enough to feel like he can't live with himself. When Guile stumbles upon him later on in the film. Blanca tearfully goes, help me, please, please. And then Guile picks up a gun and aims it at Blanca's head. And Blanca should have been like, no, no. (laughs) I mean, mean, yeah, it only takes him like five seconds to be like, oh, well, I guess my friend Charlie, they've done this to him. I'll just put him out of his misery. I won't even think about it. Not just the portrayal of Blanca, but I think out of all the what-are-you-doing-here characters, the Dr. Dalsim character just doesn't work because they set up all these moments to evoke the original game character. Mm. Uh, There's a bit when Dalsim is being roughed up by a security guard and they throw him into the chemicals. The chemicals pour on his arms... Yeah. It covers his arms, his, in the game, stretchy arms, and then later on... You're expecting him to melt like Robocop. I'm just expecting him to have stretchy arm ability or something at some point, and then later on he is topless, and he's got a bald head and looks more like the game character, and again, nothing happens. Mm. Just call him Dr. Dalsim, and don't add the chemicals on the arms, don't make him bald all of a sudden for no reason just to evoke the games if you're not going to make him have stretchy arms. There should have been a moment when um, Guile leaves Dalsim and Blanca. Guile goes out of the room, but then has like forgotten his gun or something, or his car keys, and uh, then a hand curls around the corner and gives them to him. And he goes, what? <laughs> or something. They could have done a hint. I feel you just didn't need the Blanca stuff, to be honest. It's it's fun. I don't know where else you put Blanca. And I'm sure if you did this film and then for some reason Blanca wasn't in it, to, even today, 25 years later, it would be like, I wish they had Blanca in it, you know? What was I saying? Well, I mean, the, the, we, we touched upon this earlier. Using the stealth boat, uh, Guile makes it to, um, to Bison's lair. There's a weird moment where... I think it's T-Hawk, Cammy, and Guile. I think Guile chooses this moment where they're sneaking right next to a guard to say, T-Hawk, what's with the headband? And he goes, it's Cherokee, it's for good luck. He says, oh, you should have brought three of them. <laughs> like, there's a, there's a soldier right there, Guile. I mean, this was the point where I went, oh, that's T-Hawk. At one point, um, T-Hawk and Cammy have Chung Li in their... Uh, uh, clutches <laughs> that's an evil phrase but they've got Chung Li prisoner and then she does a backflip and escapes and rather than getting out his gun or anything T-Hawk says hey come back here what do you think you're doing hey stop stop you don't have a chance what a screw up <laughs> 
And then Guile sticks his head around the corner and goes, what a woman. That was almost, it's not true. I did not hit her. Mm. It's bullshit. I didn't hit her. I did not. It's very Tommy Wiseau. We haven't actually spoken at all about Kylie Minogue. No. This is is the time we've held off. At the time, though, I think that's all I knew about the film was Kylie Minogue was in it. And obviously was Street Fighter. But I didn't know who Raul Julia was. I hadn't seen any Van Damme movies. I had seen Neighbours. <laughs> um, and I should be so lucky. Yeah. I, I had, I was, you know, Kylie, the actress Kylie. She's not been in much else. She was in that awful, I'll go on record, awful episode of Doctor Who. Is it the... Christmas Titanic? The Christmas Titanic. I can't remember what it was No, called. Voyage of the Damned. That's okay. the one. I think a Christmas Titanic <laughs> would have been a good title. I will say that I don't think she was bad in that. She was just playing a generic French maid with an Aussie accent. But uh, she's all right in this. She's not... Hmm. I think all, all right is a very subjective <laughs> term because the only bit of performance I've got in my mind is when it's again during Guile's being shot and she holds out her hands like she spilt milk or something and goes, medic, someone find a medic. Like doing nothing. She's just like... Guys, <laughs> she also her accent. She's meant to be British, but she sounds very Australian a lot of the time. Yeah, it's all right. I think she brings to this film Kylie residual charm. Yes, I think that's very good. Because who doesn't like Kylie Minogue? Exactly. The, the clock is ticking, isn't it? The clock is ticking for the um, hostages for the ransom to be paid. At, before they start the assault. Guile gets everyone to synchronise their watches for 5.30 and to leave at 6. But he knows there's a time limit. And as he's arriving at the island, as he's going down into the sewers, the clock has stopped. It's finished. It's over. And he manages to rescue the hostages only in a nick of time because it takes so long for Bison to get his blanker ready. Uh, he thinks blanker is ready. He hasn't actually gone down to check. Yeah. He just activates blanker's chamber but Guile takes the place of Blanca uh-huh. and... Spring boxes out like a pop-up pirate. It's, yeah, he does a gravity-defying high-kick leap across a barrier of jagged edges mm. straight into Bison. It'd be funny if he, like, jumped out, spikes himself. It's like, meh! <laughs> oh. Just splits in half. Yes. Mortal Kombat oh. style. But he's still those were his two sides. But he's still dragging the top half of his body, saying, "I'll kick your ass, Bison." Oh, I pictured him being sliced vertically. Uh, Either way, (laughs) I'm sure he'd still try. So I think this is this is the final showdown. I suppose Um, there's there's a big old shootout actually. And although, as you said, this film was cut down to get a PG rating, I did find the. The sound uh, design really satisfying. I found the way you don't really see anyone get properly hit by a bullet. I I've, I feel the 80s action sensibilities from things like Die Hard and Commando are found here. It's got that vibe, if not the viscera. So, yeah, I enjoyed things going crazy and everyone's running around. Yeah, all the different kind of signature Street Fighter characters are pairing off in different battles and... 
Yeah, you have Zandi versus Honda, well, and you have... In the middle of a gunfight, would you decide to just start sumo wrestling? When their fight ends, they go all the way through the lair, destroying, literally crashing through the floor yeah. at one point, a metal floor. They just are wrestling everywhere, and then they just decide to stop fighting when it's time to leave. We need yeah. to stop playing. Yep. What, was he distracting Zangief? I don't know. He just I... decided to start a fight. Well, I think he was just caught up in it. It's like when someone punches someone in a w- saloon in a western. I guess so. It just, someone, it's yeah, used to fight. Should have been swinging from the bone chandeliers, the skeleton <laughs> chandeliers. A lady in like a bodice comes in and whacks a table over somebody's head. Yeah. <laughs> someone, suddenly there's just a bar in the main <laughs> yeah. chamber and someone is thrown along it, smashing whiskey glasses. Yeah. Someone gets thrown through the window out into the street, into the horse trough. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> It's it's kind of, I guess, frustrating from a Street Fighter fan point of view that when it's Ryu and Ken versus Sagat and Vega, Ryu fights Vega and Ken fights Sagat when it's Ryu who, in the video game canon, gave Sagat the scar. I only just noticed that, but you are right. It's peculiar. But yeah, everything is, everyone's just fighting anyone. Eventually... Bison's army is, is depleted enough for the AN soldiers to get the upper hand. There's this cute little moment where Van Damme pulls out a teeny tiny knife at the army. And there's the classic thing where the AN troops are behind him. And he's like, oh, oh. I feel like that joke doesn't really work if if Guile is, is coded to be the, the action mega hunk hunk. It works in like a Kurt Russell, Big Trouble Little China way, but when he's a doofus. But if if he's meant to be quite a capable guy, it seems a bit strange. Son, we're pushing back the enemy, but the skirmish is on every level. Still no sign of bison. He's probably hiding. Hiding? What do I have to fear from you, worker ants, scurrying about with their pitiful weapons, afraid of the purity of unarmed combat? Come out from behind the curtain, wizard. Let's see how pure your combat really is. Come on! Sir, no, that's exactly what he wants! No, T-Hog. That's what we both want. Am I right, Bison? Are you men enough to fight with me? Anyone who opposes me will be destroyed. Come on, you can't! Oh yes, I can. Just take the hostages out. If I'm not topside in 15 minutes, evacuate without me. Both of you. That's an order. Both out! Troopers, out! Throw the enemy into the sea! Leave us! have made me a happy man. Next, I'll make you a dead one. What do you make of the final showdown between Bison and Guile? Um, it's all right. (laughs) Well, you know, I appreciate they made him fly. It's perhaps not carried off quite as well. I mean, it does look like he's in uh, Peter Pan. Uh, at the panto. He is definitely strings flying as opposed to anti-gravity boots flying. Because 
if you try to fly horizontal using anti-gravity shoes, you would face plant, and yeah. that would look rather embarrassing. Yeah, unless the electromagnetism is in his belt as well, and or in his the metal skull in his hat. Yeah, it's... I don't know. There's too many things that could possibly go wrong. Just before they fight, I mean, what what happens is there's everyone kept comes to a, a standstill. DJ sort of slinks off while Bison says. Uh, I think defeat is a possibility. We're going to stay here as warriors. And, and DJ, he's been a great sort of foil to uh, Bison throughout because he's he has he is conscious. He's working for a villain, and he's uh, yeah. No, I, I enjoyed the contrast between the two. I feel there's some shots which is very much replicating uh, the video game. There's some nice shots where. Guile is to the left and, and Bison to the right. And I know that's what all fighting games... I know that's what fighting films look like, but the, the camera angle is such that it could absolutely be a shot from a, a video, from the game. All it would need is a, the life bars at the top of the screen and it would seem exactly like the uh, game. I just remember being a kid and thinking, oh, he uses technology to become super-powered and he's not super-powered. <laughs> It's just well, like, that's how a kid's brain works. Well, he's got his own little floating pod. Yes. As well. Like like Bowser's uh, floaty clown car from Mario World. Yeah. The fun in this sequence is, is less the fighting, although I find Guile's bicycle kick thing. That's impressive. And I know we have to cut at a point to, I guess reveal to, to make it work to make it look like it's a video game kick but for me i think it's really lovely i guess like a good video game boss battle bison is seemingly defeated mm. and then and he dies for a bit he dies for a bit and then is reborn stronger than ever and that's when he can levitate and stuff mm. there's a funny bit when he's getting artificial cpr and his in his boobs pop up and down again yeah but yeah, it's a nice bit of escalation. And I think Guile is like, what? <laughs> what is this? <laughs> but he, the ending is slightly anticlimactic. He, he gets the power of a god, which is basically floating. He fires lightning from his fists. And then he goes in for a final pass, a final flight down to, uh, to uh, Guile. But then Guile just kicks him into the screens. And then he yeah. dies properly. But there's lots of fireworks. Mm. There's like so much fire as well. He does a, some amazing stunts where the stuntman jumps and a split second later, petrol ignites behind him. Um, and that is the end of Bison until the post-credit sting. Which, yeah. like every, like 99% of them, the villain is not dead. <laughs> He, a fist comes out of the ground. Yeah, punches out and it says world domination replay. Mm. Like a kind of continue stream, cute. Yeah, insert coin to keep watching film. <laughs> you have selected? No. <laughs> so evil is defeated. All our heroes escape. Uh, Zangief is now on the side of good, having been told by DJ how crazy Bison must be. DJ and Sagat have made their own escape and they've taken a big treasure chest mm -hmm. which they then open up and it's revealed it's filled with bison dollars mm. useless bison dollars you know if he kidnapped the queen though <laughs> then oh that, yeah then, uh, well well he needs to get them reprinted with his face on them well yeah, i think he could just adopt 
Sagat, no, bison dollars as a currency of his new British Empire. <laughs> In this massive, massive explosion, though, we are led to believe that Guile is dead. There's There's been a self-destruct initiated, I think, as well. All the solar batteries. Yeah, apparently the evil bastard and bison's into solar power. Not like good fossil fuel. Yeah, not like all American fossil fuels from underneath the Middle East. But if you've ever played Street Fighter like me, uh, you continue a lot. You have to uh, restart. And um, Guile staggers out of the smoke, having survived. And all his uh, new and old friends gather around him. And they strike a victory pose from the game. Which is be a very weird thing to see in real life. It'll be like one of those flash mobs. They react to a big exploding base, not with a... Not just a base, like ancient ruins. Yeah, but like the usual reaction would be to just, I don't know, stand and watch or flinch a little bit. But, you know, in the aftermath, it's Zangief. He points his fingers up in the air. chun Li leaps in the air. Kami turns around and shows her butt. Guile flexes his muscles while combing his hair. Captain Sawada does his iconic pose. Um, I think he puts one hand in his fist. Oh, okay. So, um, what did you think of Street Fighter, the movie? Street Fighter is the kind of film that if I am flicking channels and it's on, I will watch until at least the next advert break. Which is a higher recommendation than it sounds. Uh, It's been a long time since I've actually watched it from start to finish. And it was the first time I'd seen it on the big screen. But I think it definitely works with a crowd. I think at home some of its flaws would be more pronounced. But seeing it with a crowd totally up for it. And laughing in all the right places and in all the wrong places, it's it's kind of a hoot. I think there are some things that I don't like about it, some things that drag, there are some useless characters, the blanker stuff is just, it's too cringy to be fully so bad it's good kind of territory. But again, I don't, the intentions of the filmmakers are to make something very colourful and over-the-top and entertaining. And you just can't really beat... Em up. (laughs) You can't really beat him up. A movie like Street Fighter, when it is firing on all cylinders. And, yeah, just any time Raul Julia is on screen, it's just, you know, a complete delight. Mm. I think if you had a Raul Julia supercut... It'll be pretty good, but I think you do you do need the different textures in there as well. I would agree, actually. I think it definitely works best with your mates, with a group of people. And uh, I have, as I say, I've, I've grown to enjoy it. I've always really enjoyed Raul Julia. But I think this is a definitely a, a solid gold beer and pizza night movie, especially if you're a fan of video games, especially if you're a fan of video game movies. Because this was like an early video game movie, I feel like a, some money was thrown in it. What did you say? $35 million? Yeah, $35 million uh, budget. It's not a massive budget. Not, not a huge one. But I feel... I mean, just I mentioned earlier the action, the, the shooting and things felt quite... felt decent. 
And I think nowadays a mid-budget movie with action in it, all the gunfire would be CG gun flashes and CGI gun damage. And, and this felt, apart from the CGI stealth boat, I suppose this felt quite like a practical effects movie, which I quite enjoyed. And yeah, all the 25 years on, looking back, the idiosyncrasies make it just that much more fun to watch. I th I think it's a very often quite a weird film. I mean, you would never in a million years, if, if you're making this film from scratch with no Street Fighter influence, no way would you have this many named characters with their own little plots and things. It's completely ridiculous. And how long is the film? Like an hour and a half? Nonsense. But... You know, this is a this is a, a beautiful mess, um, which I now very much enjoy. It's I think it's now getting the sort of appreciation it it deserves. It's it's never going to be an example of one of the best films ever made, obviously. <laughs> but um, I think why we do this podcast is is to do we enjoy ourselves watching a movie. I very much enjoy myself watching Street Fighter. It was a hit at the time, not critically, but. Commercially, I mean, it, it made about a hundred million dollars worldwide. Yeah, I think I think it's a case of they're throwing so many things into this film. Some of it is going to stick, regardless. I think the problems are because it's got too many things going on and too many plots, too many characters, mm. and it's a, a credit that any of it manages to connect from A to B, and you can certainly see parts of the film where they are struggling to get everyone in the same place and in the same room and on the same sheet. I wouldn't it's have it. I wouldn't have it any other way. No, exactly. And it's it's very entertaining. It's it's not boring and that's the worst crime a video game movie can commit. Imagine. Quote for the box, it's not boring. Yeah. So next up on the Games on Film podcast we're going to be looking at another film with another anniversary, this time the 40th anniversary. But it's going to be another games-based-on-film episode. This time tackling Alien and the Alien franchise and looking at the many iterations of the Alien movies in video game form, as well as paying special attention to Alien Isolation and the spin-off web series, mm -hmm. which I think has uh, recently debuted, all kind of tying in slightly with Alien Day, or but, thereabouts. Yeah, when is Alien Day? 26th of April. In the meantime, you can find us on our website, gamesonfilm.witsite.com slash podcast or tinyurl.com slash gofpod, and you can find links to various different interesting video game movie-related junk, as well as Harry's aforementioned dissertation uh, covering video game movies, as well as the chapter dedicated to Street Fighter. You can also find links there to support the podcast either through our Amazon wishlist or by giving us a donation through co-feecoffee.com as well. You can find us on Twitter at GamesOnFilmPod, Facebook.com slash GamesOnFilmPod, all episodes, SoundCloud.com slash GamesOnFilmPod, Instagram.com slash GamesOnFilmPod. We are individually on Twitter. I'm at Rory Steele. I'm at OnlyManWhoCan. Uh, you can find me also through Gamer Disco that hosts video game club nights around London twice a month. And Harry, what would you like to plug? Um, just look for Harry Steele Comedian and you'll find some of my stand-up comedy. And the music for this episode and all episodes was composed by 
David Lightfoot. Also, this week, if you're listening to the podcast at the time of release, we will be at EGX Resed. Yes, come find us at tobacco.london. You can get tickets at egx.net slash resed, and we'll be hosting a panel all about games on film, games that we would like to turn into movies. Yeah, and uh, we'll be asking our audience to pitch us their ideas as well. So if you're coming, try and think of who you're f- yeah, who you'd like to be in your video game movie, what the plot would be. Or even if you want to see a different Street Fighter movie being made, who you would cast as Guile. Mm. Yes, the panel will be at 4pm on Thursday the 4th of April. So do please come and see us then. Lovely. Well, I think all that's left for me to say is that I've been Harry. I've been Rory. And that's... Game over!